0: Welcome to the Round Rock Church of Christ teaching podcast. We're a faith community located in the central Austin area that gathers at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope this teaching blesses you as we become spirit-filled and spirit-led Jesus followers for those who do not have a home. I wonder, have you ever found yourself at a strange point in life Where you're both excited about it and confused by it at the same time. Where you wonder how did you get there and feel like it must be due to a life full of coincidence or happenstance that you don't control for better or for worse. Like the chain of events of a missed flight, a charging mishap, a broken seatbelt, and a seven-hour plane conversation that leads to falling into a forever type of love. I know it sounds like the making of a great romantic comedy. It's because it is. My wife, Amber, and I actually watched a movie with that exact plot on Friday night. And I wonder, maybe not that full moment, but have you ever had a moment like that? Maybe you you met your best friend in kindergarten and they happen to have the same birthday as you. Maybe the moment you go on vacation to this random beach in Florida, and someone sees you wearing that Keep Austin weird shirt, and then you realize they've been your neighbor for three years. That moment where my wife and I, 20 years into our lives, meet at a random campus ministry event, realizing that for most of our lives, we actually spent holidays 10 minutes apart in small town Kansas. Have you ever looked back at the things that happened to bring you together with others in a particular place or a particular time and wonder how did it happen? Well, as spirit-filled and spirit-led people, we actually believe there is something more to life than coincidences and fate we actually might just believe that the grace of God is what provided the careful direction when we had no idea what to do, how something would turn out, or how God could possibly move in the way God did. And that's why one of my favorite wacky stories in all of Scripture is about a lonely desert road, a servant named Philip, and an Ethiopian eunuch. Good morning, church. Uh, My name is Matt Delano. I know Terry promised Zane would be up here, I think, during communion this morning. I'm not Zane, if you didn't know. Um, I'm one of the ministers here, and Zane will actually be back up here continuing this series next week. Uh, But before we get into the story, I did want to just catch us up, because I know not everybody has been here uh, through it all. But each week over the course of this fall, we've actually been unpacking the first half of our focus for the next three years to be a spirit-filled and spirit-led church for those who don't have a home. And we've talked about what it means to be a Jesus follower who is continually filled with the Spirit. That means that the Spirit matures us, it it opens us up, um, it maybe even invites us to participate in the kingdom of God in a new way. And last week, Zane actually shifted our focus to the second part of the first half. And that is to be a Spirit-led people. And we are taking notes specifically from a book called Acts. A book that witnesses to the Spirit of God ready to reach the ends of the earth. And this week, the question we're asking is this. How does the Spirit and Scripture work together to alert us to the movement of God? How does Scripture and the Spirit partner together? And the first thing I want to say just as we jump into this story is that we are going to learn that God works at random radically, or at least what seems random to us. I mean, we find ourselves in a strange spot in this story, right? It's like uh, one of those scenes in a movie that feels like the most important scene, and yet it doesn't include any of the main characters. We only meet minor, complicated characters, and that should catch our attention because it's only from God. Not not Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino or whoever is a director could actually have the guts to put this story in motion. A story that starts with the Spirit on the move and a story that I imagine, well, I've never talked about at the dinner table. Because it would require us to actually answer or try to answer some questions that maybe make make us feel uncomfortable, right? Like if you heard in the passage, Philip somehow has supernatural running ability, right? He's like running to catch a chariot. And I don't know about y'all, have y'all seen the movie Jumper, anybody? I don't recommend it, but... There's some weird stuff happening with teleportation that may speak to a little of what Philip encountered. And overall, as we read this passage just straight up, we're probably left with more questions than answers. And if you are an avid reader of Acts, you may be wondering, like I was, what is Philip doing in this story? I mean, where's Peter? Where's John? Where's one of the apostles that we know is healing and preaching that we're sure about? And I think this is funny. One pastor actually said that God sets the scene in this story without a leading man. I mean, y'all all know the feeling, right? You go to a movie, you're expecting something great, and you're like, oh, this is what I'm stuck with. I mean, the example they gave, or that uh, this pastor gave was like, you're expecting George Clooney, right? Everybody know George Clooney? No. Just not an active audience, I know. Gloria or Claudia does not know. Okay. Uh, but, but you expect to see George Clooney, and this is what you get, Adam Sandler. No shade at Adam Sandler, right? But, but with, with Clooney, right, you're expecting an intellectual, dapper heartthrob, and instead with Adam, you're like, I get an irreverent goofball, right? Like, two very different movies. And yet, I don't want to go too far down this hole, right? Like, it's kind of funny, they're actually switching roles later in life. Like, Adam Sandler's all of a sudden doing serious films, and George Clooney's actually just came out with a romantic comedy, and you're like, hey, maybe stay in your lane, right? Like, maybe stay with what you're good at. But regardless, what we're at is, we, we seem to find that we're stuck with an Adam Sandler, with with Philip. And the very start of the passage is just so interesting. It says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road. The desert road. Why would you want to go to a desert road? I don't know. That goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. And just to let you know, people do not choose to go to this desert road. This road is known for having no access to water, to sustenance, and also is known for robbers, hanging
1: out, waiting. And yet, Philip doesn't question it, right? All it says is
0: he started out. And I don't know about y'all, don't y'all wish parenting was like that, right? Like the angel of the Lord in Philip, it's like, Avery, go to your room and lay in the bed. And she started out. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That is not the story usually, but, but Philip is obedient here. And if we go back to Acts 6, if y'all have your Bible with you, I'm not going to read from Acts 6, but I'm going to provide a little bit of a summary because we jumped a bit. But Acts 6 is actually where we meet Philip for the first time. And y'all, they start us out with a little bit of good news, I think, um, and that is the early church... Even being spirit led and spirit filled people, we're struggling with clicks and care for everyone. And hopefully that helps us to remember, right? Like, as a church, we're struggling with people stuff. Like, it's not perfect. And to be filled and led by the Spirit doesn't mean that immediately all of our uh, sin problems, all of our struggles, all of the, the hard parts of us are just gone. And I think we need to hear that. So they're trying to struggle through it and to get to a point of healing. And so there's a group of believers in Acts 6, uh, one that's Hebrew-speaking and one that's Greek-speaking, and they're, they're debating about how do we help specifically a group of Hebrew widows. Because for some reason, the Hebrew widows, when it came to mealtime, were being discriminated against. And so the disciples gathered the people together in this community, and they chose seven men to be deacons. And it was a very important but narrow job description. They were called to be servants and simply to make sure that everyone was fed equitably. So that was Philip's role. And yet, somehow, Philip has been launched by the Spirit from cultural tensions and table service into sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. And yet, God keeps the surprises coming. And and God shows us that the Holy Spirit's work is radical, and at times it feels random to us. Let's keep reading. It says, on his way, Philip met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Kendake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to worship. And on his way home was sitting in a chariot, you know, just reading from a prophet randomly with a scroll. That's where we find this eunuch. And there's so many things going on, and we need to sit with it for a second, because he is an extraordinary person. I mean, he's described here, right, as a, as a man of great means and authority, it seems. He's in control of the finances of a queen. He's riding in a chariot, right? Like, he's not, there's not just, he's riding in a chariot by himself. There's someone driving the chariot, right? So, like, it is his chariot. And then also, he knows how to read, and he has access to a scroll, And in this time in the ancient Near East, that would not just be everyone, right? Or even the majority of people. And yet the other wrinkle is that he is described as a eunuch. And I'll start by saying there are so many complexities with that. And Luke, again, does not help us. He doesn't actually give us clear answers, but... As a eunuch, this could mean one of two things. The first, it could mean that he's actually a castrated male. And there's options within that. of like He may have done it by religious choice. He may have been forced to do it, um, actually, as a lower class member of society who's protecting the queen. Or three, he could have been born that way. Um, and Jesus in Matthew 19 actually speaks to that, that eunuchs sometimes can be born in that way. And then the second option is that he could simply be an officer of the state. Sometimes, for some reason, that is the word that's used for officers of the state, eunuch, with nothing else there. And while this is important to the identity of the eunuch, um, there's a lack of clarity as to what Luke wants us to see. But I want to go down that rabbit hole for a second. Because there's a few things we need to know, right? So he had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and actually at the time, if he was a eunuch by physical definition, he would have not been allowed into the place he went to worship. Much of his life may have actually been met by exclusion and derision, and we don't know it for sure, but we can imagine what that could be like. And yet the thing that I do know here that seems obvious at least is that the Spirit is doing something for this man. This man who may have been excluded or a refuge without a home with God or with people and yet he's here on the road open to something. And Let's keep reading. It says the Spirit told Philip to go to the chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, saying, do you understand what you're reading? And y'all, I mean, I'm going to say it several times. Y'all see how crazy this is, right? Like he must have been booking it to catch a chariot, right? Like this is not something he's doing on his own. And once again, we run into a how question when Luke is not concerned With those details what Luke is concerned about is showing that the spirit brings about the filling work of God in ways that we may never understand the spirit gives Philip the ability to stay close to the eunuch and also y'all y'all see this too right the eunuch is not bothered by this I guess he thinks it's normal for people to run after him in a chariot and to ask him what he's reading And his response is fascinating. He says, like, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? And of course, on this road with nothing but a stranger, he invites Philip in. And as I mentioned, the eunuch is just casually reading from the scroll of Isaiah. I'm going to read just a part of it because I think this is important to what the Spirit is showing us. The eunuch just happens to be reading from Isaiah 53. It says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, for his life was taken from the
1: earth. As a people led by the Spirit,
0: we have to remember that the Spirit works on the Spirit's terms. And that the Spirit in this moment wants to speak uniquely to this eunuch. Because if physically, by definition, what happened to the eunuch, this passage is actually speaking directly to his humiliation and possibly to him being deprived of justice. And I think it's important to see that The eunuch is being spoken to uniquely, but he needs Philip. He can't figure it out on his own. He says, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And God seems to be pointing the eunuch to read this exact story at this exact time, away from home, physically and spiritually, so that God can speak directly to him. Because this passage in Isaiah is about Jesus. The eunuch, or God is saying to the eunuch, Isaiah is talking uniquely to you about the resurrected Christ. Christ didn't open his mouth as an act of restoration for you. I'm curious, have you you ever had one of those moments? where you opened the pages of Scripture and felt like Jesus was either talking about you or
1: talking directly to you? Have you had a moment like that? Because the
0: Spirit shows in this moment that the eunuch through the authority of Scripture is actually told that every type of person from the ends of the earth regardless of ethnicity, regardless of sexuality, regardless of language, regardless of sin problem, regardless of addiction, would have a home in God. Because the eunuch doesn't just read for a logical ascent of knowing Christ, but he encounters God through Jesus in his body and in his heart. The Spirit breaks boundaries and shows us that the Spirit works on people and prompts people even before the Spirit dwells within them.
1: And this is the heart of this morning.
0: The Word of God opens us up to join God. The Word of God opens us up to join God. Because the eunuch actually represents the subversion, the surprise of the Spirit that that the gospel will go to the ends of the earth because people like Philip will take it there. Because people like Philip realize that the gospel speaks no matter who we are or what others measure us by. And I think the eunuch actually asks us to hold him up as a mirror to our collective church. Because when we see this text, when we wonder why are we, Why are we so uncomfortable with this? Or why are we not sure about what's happening? We open up the pages of Scripture and a Spirit-led body says, who are we missing, God? Who are we missing and not inviting home and why? Because if we are to trust the Spirit of God, we need to be reminded that just like the disciples, we can't stay hidden just being filled. Because if we do that, we will find ourselves expecting too little from the Spirit. We will find ourselves underestimating the power of the Spirit of God to bless and include others. Philip is leaning into recognizing that the Scripture and Spirit work together to interpret the movement of God. In this specific passage, it says that Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The Word of God opened up Philip to be ready to share the good news. And I think, I don't know about y'all, but I often overcomplicate what it means to share the gospel. And I love this quote. This is from um, a a South African pastor. Named isway nakosi he says to be creative in how we share the gospel gospel can be as simple as knowing the bible and having the imagination to recognize when it has something to say to those i encounter to believe to have the imagination that the spirit could possibly speak simply because you're obedient and open to god Y'all, what God is revealing today is that we're, the word of God spoke then and it speaks now. It helps us to find a home with God. It sets the table for us to experience and encounter God. And we need to know this because Jesus himself actually shows us the paradigm for this reality. Not long before this happened. Terry spoke to it today earlier that there was a moment after Jesus' death where he meets up with two grieving disciples on the road to Emmaus. All seems lost. The silent lamb has been slaughtered, and yet Jesus points to one thing the Scripture as authority. Jesus hides himself knowing that they need something different first to lift their spirits, to resurrect their minds. And we read it here, it says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Philip's response to the eunuch's question is what Jesus shows us to do because at the heart of it, if you were a follower of Jesus, what you know... Is from the Bible. The heart language of Christians is the Bible because it's the heart language of Jesus. And so Philip, just like the resurrected Christ, continues to look to the Bible for authority, not anywhere else. And when the Bible is interpreted in light of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit, there is incredible power for it to speak directly to us, individually and collectively. Because the resurrection reveals the hope that we have in God, but the scriptures explain more behind the fullness of God's work. Uh, Pete Gregg, uh, another pastor in, in the UK who, write, who wrote How to Hear God, says it this way. The archetypal or, or the exemplary encounter with the resurrected Lord is signaled not by a dramatic experience nor by an overpowering emotion but rather merely by an extensive exposition of scripture. Jesus knows that an extraordinary experience and a personal encounter are insufficient alone. He knows that the Bible is there to guide. We're nodding to this, right? Right? Do you hear that? Does, does that... Makes sense. The Spirit and Scripture are working together to partner. And the last thing that the Spirit and Scripture do together is that they actually set the table for us to meet Jesus. Because the Spirit sh- speaks through Scripture, but what's fascinating, right, is like the Spirit doesn't leave the eunuch and Philip, where they are in the explanation. The story doesn't end. We didn't get to this today, but it's powerful. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. The Spirit and Scripture lead us to imagine what's possible with the God who is revealed in Scripture. The possibility of sharing the gospel to a stranger in the desert, the possibility of a stranger in the desert giving his life to Jesus. The Spirit and Scripture set the table also for us as a marker of following Jesus, to be curious, to wander with Jesus. And Philip shows us what it's like to continue to wander with Jesus. He knew God, he knew God's word, and he was curious about what Jesus might just do. I think one thing that's beautiful and witnessed in this passage is that Curiosity is a canvas of the Holy Spirit. Curiosity is a canvas
1: of the Holy Spirit.
0: That just means this, that the Spirit eats up curiosity. The eunuch asks four questions in this small story. And it fans the flame into belief for the eunuch, but it doesn't stop there. Because Philip witnesses to this curiosity and that he's open to asking questions. He's open to hearing questions. He's open to wondering what God is up to and inviting the eunuch to join. And I think this is an important caveat that we have to hear. When Philip was sent to this desert road, he was not sent to defend the gospel. I know that feels like our job most of the time and a complicated one at that. What the Spirit sends him to do is to be available to someone who is opening themselves up to God. To be there to process, to be a safe space for the eunuch's questions because meeting Jesus in the pages of Scripture also empowers us to share the gospel. Philip is empowered, and and so we must ask ourselves as we turn home today, are we open to being led by the Spirit into work that may be random and radical? And secondly, do we trust God enough to believe that the partnership in the, of the Holy Spirit and Scripture
1: will speak to us? Not in
0: some foreign way, but in a way that we will understand. As we close this morning, I want to give you three ways that you might answer yes to this question. The first of them is this. I thought about this, I kept coming back to this, and this, it's the simplicity of this. We have to be people who open the word.
1: We have to. But we
0: come to it with, with these two things. We open the word and we ask God to speak. We ask God to speak, and then on the other side of it, we actually expect Him
1: to speak to us.
0: That's a starting point to be open because it's not just a document, it's not just a history, it's not just a fact lesson, it's not just a rule book. Hebrews tells us it is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's first and foremost meant to transform us into the image of Jesus. That's the Bible. And that's why we go back to the well of the Bible, because Christians across all time have believed that it will actually provide revival in the wastelands. And I don't know about y'all, but I need someone just like Philip, right? I need someone who is excited and willing to partner with the Spirit and scripture to encounter God with me.
1: Open the book. Ask God to speak and believe it's possible. Second, you
0: could help set us help us set the table for Alpha I'm going to give you a quick uh, rundown of this. Alpha is an organization that started in London in the 1970s, and the main role of it is to provide churches, ministries, individuals, a way to create an environment for Christians and, and non-believers to actually have deeper conversations about life and faith. It aligns with our vision in that it relies on the spirit and prayer to create space for safe curiosity and vulnerability. And the place we're calling specifically for you to serve this fall is the hospitality side. To actually do what, P- what Philip initially did, to set the table for the scripture and spirit to work. And it's something that I think is at the heart of who we are as a church. And we're going to have a table out in the foyer alongside Love the Rock for you to check and see Is there a way you could serve? We're asking, one, if folks are willing to provide dinner um, or dessert for folks who are attending Alpha, 15 to 20 people, uh, one week for the fall. We encourage you to do it, not alone, because that's a lot of people to feed. The second is, would you come and do the job of Philip? Would you serve people? Would you clean up after people? Would you help them to get what they need? And then the last role is, Are you willing to help set up or tear down for the event? Come find us in the foyer and we'd love to talk to
1: you about it. All right. Last thing, last question. Are you open to finding water
0: in the desert? I want to go back to the beginning. I don't know if y'all caught this, right? Like we're in the desert, right? What is a desert? There's not likely water. There, And through the story, we experience moments of the Spirit showing up in random and weird and awesome ways. And But there might just be one thing you need this morning. And that's as they traveled along the road, they came to water. Because in the space of the Spirit and Scripture partnering together, Philip and the eunuch experienced the miraculous appearance of water. And that answers all of the eunuch's questions definitively. It becomes clear in this story that just like on the road to Emmaus, the eunuch's curiosity leads his heart to burn, to desire more, to be healed and changed. He needed Philip to interpret the Scriptures in light of Jesus, but it was the eunuch who asked questions that caused God to, find, or to bring water to the wasteland. Nothing prevents him from being baptized. Not his ambiguous status, not his riches, not his learning, not his ethnicity, not being in the middle of nowhere with a stranger named Philip. God's saving power is unrestrained. Because, y'all, if we follow God's call to nowhere, we may actually find that God has already visited there and made nowhere God's home. Because the Holy Spirit begins with scriptures to provide water in the midst of places that seem dry.
1: It brings revival to places that seem
0: confusing. It brings life in the midst of dry bones. And if we let the Spirit lead us, we may just find water in the desert and in the places where people go
1: and can't find it not in a moment of coincidence, but through the grace of God. Let's pray together. God, we, uh,
0: we come to you this morning just in awe of who you are, of what your spirit is capable of, of, of what you are inviting us into. And at the same time, God, we are scared and unsure and human, And so, God, today, as we read this story, as we imagine what life could be like with you leading, we ask for you to change us, to shape us,
1: to help us to trust you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.